0: The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents Worldview Media Podcast Where Gordon and Joyce Runyon view popular media through the lens of the Biblical Five-Point Covenant model to help believers appreciate and apply principles of exciting narrative and engaging storytelling. Oh,
1: Worldview Media Podcast Back in your life <laughs> <laughs> on this Friday, the 16th of February 2018. I am hmm. your co host, Gordon Runyon, and with me is co hostess Joyce, and we are going to review the movie Hostels. Is it Hostels? Hostiles. Who says hostiles?
2: I don't know, that's why I'm asking you.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: not, not... by
1: hostiles. Well, I... is it
2: a? What's the other one? Is it a hostel?
1: Yeah, that's a hostel. And this I'm is what?
2: Thinking...
1: Hostile, hostile.
2: So it's a hostel and the hostel.
1: Hostile. <laughs> hostile. <laughs>
2: the places it that you de- stay. It, it all depends on overseas. context. They could be. Hostile there as well at the hostel.
1: Yeah, I think you can say hostile. <laughs> I think it sounds ridiculous when you say hostiles, though.
2: Well, I don't know. That's the confusion of the language when you don't say it right.
1: We are... Jordan would agree. <laughs> <laughs> we are broadcasting live from a campsite between New Mexico and Oregon. Montana. Montana. Montana They're not the same? I guess not (laughs) My northwest Geography is weak Weak And So we're talking about the Christian Bale Movie and hostels, A relatively new movie On the You know as we're recording this The movie has been out in theaters For less than a month We're cutting edge we are so (laughs) on the leading edge of society. Well,
2: I wouldn't go of society.
1: (laughs) Okay, so in this movie, it's a Western movie, and Christian Bale plays a United States Army officer named Joseph Blocker. Mm Mm-hmm. Not to be confused with Frau Blucher, (laughs) which could happen.
2: Uh, They probably looked maybe a little similar.
1: (laughs) Same stern face. (laughs) Joseph Blocker is a veteran of many wars with the Indians, and probably was he was too young to be Civil War.
2: Yeah, I don't think it was Civil War. This is supposed to be in 1892. Oh, yeah. so. so
1: he was too young to be Civil probably. War. Probably. Okay, but he's a veteran of a lot of combat with Indians. and With the heathen. With the heathen, that's right. And so uh, he's a hardened man. He's a veteran. And he's seen
2: lots of bad things. He's probably
1: suffering from PTSD. Or that would be the modern diagnosis. Probably. As well as... All of his friends are yeah. in that same boat. Yeah. Well, because of political considerations, uh, I don't know what's going on in Washington, but for some reason they decide the thing to do is to take this Cheyenne Indian chief that they have captured, mm-hmm. and they're for seven holding years. him. They're holding him at Fort Berenger in New Mexico.
2: Woohoo! New Mexico is it real? It is. New Mexico is real.
1: Is <laughs> <laughs> Fort Beringer real?
2: We have lots of different little forts around that don't show up in a in a check, so it's possible.
1: It could be. It could be. Yeah, our quick little Google search didn't turn it up, but maybe. I don't know where it would be. It didn't look like it was the Eastern Plains. It looked like it was more around uh, the Four Corners area, mm-hmm. maybe. Maybe. Okay, so anyway, the plot is that Joseph Blocker gets charged with escorting this uh, notorious Cheyenne warrior chief Mm -hmm. to his original home in Oregon. Montana. In in Montana. (laughs) Where he will die. He's got... He's eat up with the cancer.
2: That's what they say.
1: Yeah. And so... Uh, He doesn't want to do it. He's got personal animosity toward the guy. He's witnessed the man. Yeah. Well, they've had conflicts. They've had run-ins. Yeah. Yeah. And... um, (laughs) Phew. And right away, both of them Mm. have very similar reputations. I mean, Blocker can't stand Chief Yellow Hat. Mm hmm And he tells these horrible stories about... Atrocities, mm-hmm. but pretty much everybody that knows about Joseph Blocker tells the same kinds of but stories. He gave about as good him. as yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And so he finally agrees to do it. He <clears throat> under great reluctance. Yeah, he doesn't want to do it, and so he escorts. He agrees to escort the chief. Now, meanwhile, there's a there's a settler woman homesteader woman who with her family loses her whole family in one day husband and three kids loses them to an Indian attack Comanches they were Comanches Uh and so she watches them all die (laughs) literally is holding her baby in her arms when the baby is shot by one of the Comanches and she narrowly escapes with her life Anyway, so on the first leg of the journey to escort the chief, Blocker runs across the homestead where this woman was. Her name was Mrs. Quaid. And she doesn't have anywhere else to go. She's mentally unhinged. Yeah. And,
2: uh... Well, yeah.
1: (laughs) So Blocker takes pity on her and takes her along just to kind of keep track of her and Well I think the
2: the idea is that when they get somewhere that she will go back to her family or to whomever she has He's gonna
1: take her to civilization somewhere and drop her off in a city or something. Yeah. So what ensues then in the movie is a series of meetings and confrontations with different groups Mm -hmm. of people Mm -hmm. along the way. They kinda all turn out to be bad and Finally, though, at the end, their journey is completed. Spoiler alert. And it turns out that not only have they been journeying from New Mexico to Oregon, Montana, Montana. <laughs> that they've been on a journey of self-discovery. No, not self-discovery, but everybody has kind of been on this journey of... I don't know what you would call it, reconciliation or coming to terms with mm, I past think a battles. Bit. I think a forgiveness bit yeah. is in there quite a bit. <clears throat> and we'll save the ending. The ending is maybe a little bit surprising. The very end. Mm,
2: okay. Maybe a little <laughs> bit
1: surprising. And uh, mm. so we'll save that for you. And so this is the... Point of the podcast, where we're going to speak kind of in general. So, I've been talking a lot, Ma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, it's time for you to talk and give some overall impressions of what you think of hostels.
2: Well, you know, it's billed as a Western, and maybe it is in that it takes place in the Western states, but I. I really see it more as a war story, than uh, a western is just where it's set, and it's not like the traditional cowboy Indian type
1: of movie, which although there is some of that. Well,
2: know. yeah, I yeah. mean because he's a Calvary, the time setting, where they're at. I mean there is some of that involved, but it to me it really is it's a it's a war story, uh, and uh, the scenery i don't know where they shot all of this but there's some beautiful landscapes (laughs) even if it was in new mexico (laughs) (laughs) and um i think the title is really appropriate for the movie because i think you walk in with a mindset of these are who these people are going to be who are the the hostiles who are they you know which which group is it and uh and you got to go see who it is. I mean, yeah, I think that kind of even floats around and rotates as to who falls under that category. And so it it was well written, um, costuming was good, the actors were really good. You know, the lady that lost everything, she was a tremendous actress. In Christian Bale, she was
1: believable was, to you?
2: I think to uh, yeah, to some extent. I, I think sometimes we we've gotten soft <laughs> you know we really have and um our predecessors that came out well you know we live in new mexico that came out here and homesteaded and it was a hard life yeah, yeah. it was a hard life and a lot of people didn't make it right and you had to be made of some stern stuff to <laughs> even consider it because uh, right. it right. wasn't easy yeah it was not easy at all and uh she's out in the middle of nowhere everybody that she has loved that was out there with her is dead and I'm assuming that she's just she's set to well I'll die here with them holding my baby sitting by my babies and you know she you cope as best as you can and things like that I can't even imagine having to deal with something like that and to see all of this happen in front of you it wasn't just, oh, everybody died, and now I'm here alone. You know, she saw the viciousness of what was being done. And, and why was it being done? Because they were living on land that was somebody else's? Because they were uh,
1: Because going. they had horses. You know, why? Yeah, I don't know.
2: And it all just seems really... And I'm sure stuff like that happened.
1: Yeah.
2: And it happened all the time. But there's a lot of stuff for that, for the next section. (laughs) But I liked it. I liked the costuming. Um, The characters were fun. There was some neat interplays between uh, the captain and some of his crew. And to see the changes in them from the beginning, to go through the movie, and how everybody kind of dealt with their past. Yeah. It was interesting because I think you still see people dealing with those with their past in similar ways, and so you know how do you how do you do that? How do you overcome some of the the things that happen in your
1: life? Yeah. Well, I think dramatically, one thought that kept coming to my mind as we were watching it was, I really appreciated the bravery of the movie makers in going at the pace that they went, because it wasn't like a typical American summer blockbuster. Yeah. Well, it wasn't an action-adventure movie, right. yeah. There mm-hmm. was enough of that. There was enough cowboy and Indian and shoot 'em up And, I mean, there were... Uh, those moments were kind of peppered in. Mm-hmm. And when they happened, they were very intense. But in between those moments... I thought there were I thought the movie for a modern American movie was incredibly methodical and by today's standards was even slow mm-hmm. in in terms of its pacing. However, you can do slow pacing if you figure out ways like with character development mm-hmm. and stuff like that. What you're saying during those slow moments? Yeah, it's yeah. what you're saying and Are you saying anything? <laughs> So you can do slow pacing, but it, you can't stop telling the story in those slow p- places. Yeah. And I felt like what they did really well is that when it was slow, it, it you see people keep describing it in reviews and stuff as a pretty intense mm-hmm. movie. That's the word, it, intense. And you yeah. see that all the time. The woman we gave our tickets to, she said, "Well, hang on, it's kind of intense." Yeah. And I guess I was looking for more of a Clint Eastwood sort yeah. of shoot the traditional them up and, western, right? Yeah. Because we had heard going in, oh, it's the best western since Unforgiven, and Unforgiven was I you know, <laughs>
2: I don't know if I saw that one. Did I see Unforgiven? Oh, I don't
1: know if you did or not.
2: Doesn't doesn't. Register my mind. It was a different kind of movie,
1: though. Yeah. And, uh, and well, normally I, I don't do westerns. Sure, and I, and I was kind of expecting something like that, so I was pleasantly surprised. I thought that was kind of really well done. Mm-hmm. The 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 storytelling was. Really I hate good. to say it was slow paced because I don't think it was. It's just that the story they were telling was not about bullets and arrows yeah. flying, and the other thing that I. Appreciated, and i haven't we just saw it a couple of nights ago and and i haven't figured out how they did it but there was something that they did that i feel like if another movie had done it you would have seen it coming a mile away and then when it happened it would have just been cheesy Mm. but when it happened in this movie i was like oh okay all right (laughs) I'm with you, and I'm talking specifically about Mm. Mrs. Quaid and her coming to a point of. Well, she initially reacted very poorly to seeing that she was going to be part of this caravan that was transporting a family of of Indians. Mm -hmm. Uh, She didn't like seeing them at all. Really freaked out and and hated them. Can't imagine. Well, totally understandable. Yeah. But then as you start seeing her kind of soften a little bit and you start seeing them reaching out to her and, and I I just felt like some of that in a different modern sort of cinematic setting could have just been very cheap and predictable. Mm -hmm. And for some reason I didn't feel like it was. And, and the character arc that takes place in Joseph Blocker and in Chief Yellow Hat mm-hmm. and and the family his family and stuff like that. I just felt I just felt like a lot of that was really well done. So I come away really pleasantly surprised And you mentioned the the scenery and how pretty it was, and it sure was. It may have all been filmed in New Mexico, though. We have those kinds of mountains. Yeah, we do.
2: We have great scenery around here. I don't know with all the trees though. They had some pretty nice big trees. I don't know if we've got those. (laughs) (laughs) Right, that's true.
1: (laughs) But uh, what was I going to say? Oh, you had mentioned the scenery, and when you did, it kind of. It kind of put me in mind, I want to keep remembering that, that most of this movie takes place in really beautiful, stunningly beautiful places. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a dramatic sort of reason for that. And so we'll come back to that when it's time. So, you got a letter grade for us, or what do you think about this movie?
2: Well... I think I'd have to give it an name.
1: It's a Western. You can't give it an name. Well, but it's
2: not a traditional Western. No, I, I really don't think it is. It's Western in that they wear cowboy hats. <laughs> right. And they don't really all wear cowboy hats. They wear a military hat. Right.
1: Oh, you know the other thing I realized? Mm-hmm. Uh, Christian Bale, as Joseph Blocker, has this really old-style handlebar mustache. Mm-hmm. And a couple of other characters do as well. And I realize those mustaches make guys look really sad all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice that? It's uh, because of the way the mustache frames the mouth, it goes it, down. It makes it look like you're you've constantly got this really this sad face.
2: Yeah. No, I didn't notice that.
1: So um, <clears throat> that's a fashion tip to remember. <laughs> when you're deciding on beard styles and, mm. and all that. All right. All right. I think I give it an A as well. I, I feel like I'm probably going to run into people who point out how horrible it was and and I'll feel bad for liking it, like I do. I think, how oh, horrible I should have I should have mm-hmm. caught that oh. But I just sat there and I ate it up, you know, and, yeah. and thought it was really good. Surprisingly for me. Surprisingly. That's true. Next thing you know, you'll be liking country music. I don't think so. No. Don't be talking crazy. Don't
2: be talking crazy. All right,
1: so we're going to take our break and come back and talk more Worldview issues. Worldview Media Podcast
0: on Hostels. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology.
1: Are you interested in Christian education? Would you like to learn how to be a Christian teacher or how to run your very own Christian school with success? The GCS Apprenticeship Program can help. Learn more on our website at gcsapprenticeship.com. And we're back on Worldview Media Podcast. This is Gordon Runyon sitting across from the lovely and talented Joyce Runyon and it's time for us to talk theme, worldview, mm-hmm. big picture. What sort of propaganda is this movie preaching? That's what we're looking at. And yeah. So let me ask you, smart lady. <sighs> give us your thematic, <laughs> thematic insights.
2: Well, I think, like I said in, in the first section, talking about the title and, you know, well, who who is this category of people? And um, so who are they? I mean, is it the Indians that are the hostiles? Is it the cavalry that came in and rounded them up and took them off their land? Are they the hostiles? Is it, you know, this the renegade Comanches that don't care who you are or what color your skin is, they're going to take whatever they want from whoever you are, Indian, white man, anybody? Is it um, landowners that have come in and taken over everything? You know, who who are these groups of people? And for me, I really think a lot of things changed for them when they looked at each other as people instead of heathens or less than or, or objectified them. You know, the chief became a person. He became a man. He became somebody who cared about his daughter and his wife and his son and his grandson and he became somebody who cared about the the woman who had suffered such great loss at the hand of the Comanches and he became a real person and uh and the same with the the captain you know he became somebody that was protecting not just this guy because he had to but because he saw that well these other people came in and treated your women badly and I'm sorry for that And so I think there's a lot of that growth in the development and it's just seeing people as people, as image bearers of God and finding value in that instead of finding differences and saying you're less than and because you don't look like me. I can treat you however I want to. I can take away your land. I can take your women. I can take your horses. I can take anything I want to because I have enough power to do that. Mm -hmm. And so if if you're not looking at... God's creation especially people as his image bearers you are going to you're going to do bad things you're going to <laughs> you're going to enslave people you're going to treat them like uh less than human and you're going to justify yeah. that because well they're different
1: yeah yeah so the hostels were
2: everybody they were they were everybody, yeah. and I think, like I said, it kind of it kind of rotated. Well, it had to be those Comanches that, you know, and we didn't yeah. know they were Comanches; they were just Indians going in and right. picking off this family that had no way, no means of protecting themselves. And that's really right. how the movie opens: yeah. is with this, right. you know, they're doing homeschool, and the man's out, you know, chopping wood, and it's a lovely morning that ends in death and horror and terror and. Yeah. Um, you know, and even the chief, as they're once they find her, you know, he is like this one. This is one strong lady, because most people don't survive something like that. Right. And I think he was uh, taken away with her strength because, you know, she had to gather up her kids and bring them back to this little burnt down house and and do all <laughs> of this stuff.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that's kind of related then in my mind to the scenery because a lot of the movie is focused on just how cruel people can be to each other when they lose that sense of I'm supposed to be loving my neighbor for the sake of loving the image of God. And, uh, mm-hmm. that once that's gone, my goodness, we do horrible things. And, uh, and it's on all sides, and yeah. it's uh, it's human. It's not racial, or racial, or there's no other factor. It's just humanity and sin. And so, for me, a lot of the movies kind of focused on recalling those things. And not a lot of them are seen so mm-hmm. much. Even when people die, it's it's not like uh, it's not like gross special effects or anything. Yeah. There's not a lot of that or blood spray. It's, yeah. it's, it's not, not Walking Dead, for heaven's no, sake. No, <laughs> no, it's not. And, uh, but a lot of the movie is themed on that idea that we really do manage to do horrible things to each other. And then to have all the scenes in which these things are happening, to have them all take place within these backdrops of really amazing natural beauty and the mm-hmm. created order and stuff like that i think that's meant to be that way so that there's this kind of innate contrast there between the good world that god has created and and what men have managed to do in the midst of that and uh, i think that's to me that's on purpose that tension i there that tension there i feel like it's integral to the whole plot mm-hmm. because what you find with Blocker and at least the friends that he's had for a long time the veterans that mm-hmm. he's fought, fought all alongside these wars. Yeah. I think by today's diagnosis mm-hmm. you'd say they were all rife with PTSD and, and uh, whatever they diagnosed veterans with mm-hmm. and and, uh, and where does that come from because on the one hand, they, all the white men, they're justifying everything that they have done in battle mm-hmm. by pointing at the atrocities done by the Indians. red men. yeah. And, and it goes the other way around. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that both the atrocities are the same in, in nature. But, but you, we especially see the white men trying mm-hmm. to justify their own commission of these acts based on, well, look look who we're fighting or look who we're defending or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then what happens is that begins to break down or it's already breaking down when we meet them that all these men that are the veterans of these things and are guilty of having performed these amazing acts of wickedness, Mm -hmm. their, their own internal justification of what they have done is already breaking down and leaking all over the place so that they're all dealing with immense guilt and they don't really know how to get rid of it. They're not going to admit that's what they're dealing with, but it becomes obvious that that really is the case. And what that reminds me of is Romans chapter one. And at the end of it, after Paul's gone through this long litany of what it looks like when God gives men over to their sin.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: At the very end of the chapter, it says that uh, those uh, kind of the culmination is that not only do men do those things, but they approve and kind of cheer for the ones who are doing them. Yeah. Even though they <laughs> all know that those who do such things are worthy of death. You know, they have that much knowledge, yeah. at least. I'm not saying that they have the Ten Commandments written on their heart, but yeah. but Romans chapter 1 does say that there is some natural knowledge of the fact that sin deserves to be punished. Yeah, We mess that up, and we don't know what sin is and all that, but there yeah. is some kind of just instinctual thing about being human and living in God's world and seeing God's fingerprints. We all know what sin <laughs> deserves, <laughs> yeah. you know, and... And that's what I saw the characters dealing with, especially the Army soldiers mm-hmm. dealing with, the veterans at least, they that they're, yeah. they're dealing with well, these issues.
2: They have their moments where they're saying, do you remember back in the day when this is what we went out and we did and we took care of business and we wouldn't have even thought about escorting these guys back. <laughs> right. And we would have just finished it, gotten it done, and called right. it a day. And they're all like, yeah, those were the good days. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, there has to be, like you say, a lot of guilt about how did how did we do that? How do we how do we reconcile that now we have to take this guy back that did such horrible things? And had this been a few years ago, we would have just killed him. And now we have to yeah. to take him back and and uh, treat him with some sort of dignity or respect. And
1: yeah, we look across the campfire <laughs> and see that he's just a guy that cares about his family, and his family cares about him. And,
2: yeah. And then there's that other little running parallel story with another gentleman that had been served with uh, the captain who kind of wigged out and did somebody in and, like, went insane on
1: He killed somebody that the government didn't tell him it was okay to kill. Yeah, Yeah, yeah.
2: and so now he's in big trouble. He's going to have to go and be court-martialed, and he will hang for what he did (laughs) because he was doing it of his own volition, and he's like, what's the deal, you know? This is what we always did. This is how we always handled this stuff. And now, I'm going to get in trouble and die because I just did what we always
1: did. Yeah, and you've done all these things. And you've done a even worse times. than I have. Right, right. And,
2: and now you are going to take me, so they can hang <laughs> right. me. You're going to do that. Right. You should drop yourself off too. You know. And there was one line that he said that just struck in my mind because he was saying. I just want mercy. Oh, I just uh-huh. want mercy.
1: Yeah,
2: he didn't want mercy because mercy requires an act of repentance, and he wasn't sorry for what he did. No. He was sorry that he had gotten caught and that he was going to be punished, and that's why he wanted mercy because he thought, "Well, I shouldn't be punished. This is what you guys paid me to do. Why are you going to hang okay. me now?" And um, and so that just struck me as a real note in our society now. That everybody wants mercy, but they they want cheap mercy. That doesn't cost anybody anything, and is, it's a license. It's yeah. not mercy.
1: Right, right. Reminds me of a classic line from a classic uh, Steven Seagal movie.
2: <laughs> That's Steven Seagal.
1: <laughs> Marked for death mm. with the Jamaican drug dealers. Yeah. And one guy says... Everybody want go to heaven, nobody want dead. And yeah. uh and that's kind of what you're talking about. Everybody wants to be forgiven and go, but nobody wants to actually have to die to yourself and mm. and figure out, you know, I've been wrong this whole time. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's what I say when I feel like that's what you see throughout the whole movie is these guys who have justified all their actions their justifications have cracked and they're starting to leak out all over the place and and you just see that and I think it was probably the best part of the movie for me mm-hmm. that you could see their justifications in their own minds didn't make any sense anymore yeah. And uh,
2: well you can only do that so long right really
1: and, and you, then that
2: one guy you know he actually kills
1: right. a fellow kills a fellow soldier yeah, yeah and, and mm-hmm. finds drastic ways of trying to deal with his own feelings of guilt and stuff well, like Well, that. that was the guy who went after him, right? Right. I'm trying not to spoil everything, but then, So,
2: but yeah, and then, you know, again, how do you deal with that guilt? you just run from it and you say, "No, that's not. I shouldn't be punished for that." Do you say, yeah. "I can't deal with this anymore." Do right. you Do you actually reconcile things? And I think that's what the captain did. I think that's what Captain Blocker did. He actually reconciled some stuff, and he became a changed man through this process.
1: Yeah, and let's not forget to note that the movie does kind of buck a trend in terms of it starts out by talking about the Bible and Christian faith and quoting the scripture You see these bad guys, these guys that have committed all these atrocities, that they will quote the scripture when they're burying one of their own, but the scripture has no effect on how they live their lives. And you see Blocker say, yeah, I believe in God, but I have reason to think he's forgotten about us or doesn't care what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's all very normal for a Hollywood to do those things and talk in those ways. Mm -hmm. But then when Mrs. Quaid... Comes to Blocker and says, without my faith, I'd have nothing. Yeah, what would and, I have? And sometimes it's going through these valleys that this is when the Lord draws us closest to himself. And he has no answer for that. And, and so they don't well, and that's explore that. an incredible
2: that. statement for her to say sure. after all of the things right. she's lost. Right. And she's lost everything sure. to say, if I don't have my faith. Yeah, I don't have anything because a lot of people would say, "I'm sorry, you don't have anything." <laughs> right, if faith is all you have, you don't have anything.
1: Right, you know,
2: because, and that was that was impressive for for that line to be in there, and I was like,
1: "What?" Well, it was a good line, it, and it was atypical for Hollywood because they didn't come back and slam it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could almost see. Maybe that would be the answer. Well, if faith is all you have, you don't have much. And you, you know, yeah. But that's not what he said. Because he had to come to the point of realizing, here's a woman who...
2: Has lost everything.
1: Has lost everything, and she's much stronger and more upright than she has any right to be. Mm-hmm. And uh, And so, I'm not saying that it's a Christian movie or no. anything, but I am saying that...
2: It's got some good
1: messages in there.
2: If you're watching and you're paying attention. Yeah,
1: the message about faith kind of swerves a little bit. Because it starts out being kind of typical Hollywood message about faith.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And then there's a character arc almost that (laughs) takes place just in dealing with faith. And it happens silently a lot of the time. But profoundly Mm -hmm. nonetheless. And... So, I just thought that was uh, a really uh, profound aspect of the movie it was unexpected for me i guess yeah. it winds up being very respectful of faith and and putting it out there is you know maybe this is something you know and uh, so for me, I thought that was that was really good so if you haven't seen the movie and you're thinking about it, there is. Cowboy and Indian sort of violence. Yeah. Bullets. There is a lot of shooting and yeah. arrows and at one My point. Might jump I, every now and then and go, ah! Right. He I, shot me! I jumped in that movie. Did you see the point where I jumped? Did you feel me jump yeah, next to you? I felt
2: you jump. I think I jumped because you did.
1: <laughs> you know what? <laughs> and we were sitting toward the front of the theater too, so I spent the whole rest of the movie thinking. Dang, everybody saw me jump. Well, I don't know about that. We noticed when we went
2: into the movie that the demographic was much older than the movies yeah. we normally go to, so maybe they were yeah. just too focused and didn't see you.
1: <laughs> Right. That's true. That's true. But anyway, I thought, I think we were all pleasantly surprised. What I was going to say is yes, there is violence. There's one kind of gross scene where a guy gets scalped, but even that isn't as bad as it would have been if it as was it The been. Walking Dead. Yeah, it could have been a lot more gratuitous with the. With the violence there, uh, and there's no, there's no nudity. Was there any nudity? I don't remember there being any.
2: I don't really think there was.
1: Yeah, uh, there's some, there's some little cussing. You've got soldiers and yeah. stuff like that. But I feel bad about talking about that because cussing kind of goes right by me, and it, I don't, it doesn't register one way or the other. If it's not blasphemy, it doesn't.
2: Well, you know, I think the time was different too, and I just don't think people did. <laughs>
1: That's probably true.
2: As much I, I think but there, I don't yeah. I as well all don't I'm remember. saying is I don't think
1: if you're worried about what kind of movie it is, it's kind of firmly classic adult movie. western adult. It's an adult movie. I it mean, is, it's a, there, it is it's emotionally an intense and and all of that, but there's no there's no nudity, there's no sex. <laughs> Excuse me. So, I feel like it's But it
2: is it is an R rating, but that's for violence I'm sure that's and for violence. some yeah. they say some language. So maybe some, there was <laughs> Yeah. Maybe there were a couple words. <laughs> <laughs> My years in
1: the navy have yeah. <laughs> stunted me, I guess. I'm not as offended by cuss words as maybe I should be. But anyway, <clears throat> I think we're both thinking it's a pretty decent pretty decent show.
2: It is. It is. It really is. Um and I like I say, I don't like Westerns. It's not yeah. something I normally watch and it was just there and I said, Hey, this is on at the show, you wanna go? And you said, Okay, which I didn't think you would <laughs> and that was like, Well, I guess we're going.
1: Well, guess. <laughs> yeah. So And you know, I, I have to reiterate, I, I do feel like Christian Bale did an awesome job yeah. acting. Yeah. And I probably wasn't expecting that. I was expecting, I mean, this is the guy who famously coined the term, I'm Batman. You knew, but uh, it was good. Yeah. He was a good actor. And the, the female, Mrs. Quaid was a good actor. What's her name? Rosamond Pike. Hey, do I
2: know her from like uh, Downton Abbey or something?
1: Oh, Rosamond Pike. She was good. She, or is she from um,
2: Pride and Prejudice? She's been in something else.
1: And then this was his friend. That was
2: the bad friend, wasn't it?
1: No, I think he's farther down. I was thinking that was the bad guy. No.
2: I don't think so cuz he was in the military.
1: Okay. Well, and I think the chief yellow hat, I felt like that was acted well too. And yeah. So mm. And
2: uh, they actually, well the reason Bale had to take him to begin with is because he could speak the language. So oh, he yeah. could talk to them and yeah. so they do some of that talking back and forth and <laughs> Yeah.
1: So All right y'all, so I say probably worth your time. If you watch movies and are looking for something decent, it's probably worth your time. And there's something to be learned, I think, as we write and try to create. I feel like it's easy to kind of get the sense that if you're going to create something, it has to blatant, look like everything yeah. that's being made, and this one doesn't. and no. kind of violates some modern rules and gets away with it. And
2: Well, it gets away with it. And is really well-received. Yeah. Well, really, really well-received. <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, what are you drinking? <laughs> Not enough. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm dehydrated.
1: <laughs> dehydrated.
2: <laughs> All I've been doing is driving for days and days.
1: <laughs> yeah. All um, right. So I guess we're done, Mama. Thank you all for listening to Worldview Media Podcast. Go
2: see a Western. You'll love it. Uh, (laughs) This Western. (laughs) This Western is
1: good. All right. God bless you all. Next time. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for listening to the Worldview Media Podcast. Please visit reconstructionistradio.com to check out the other podcasts in our network and to download our free audiobooks.